All right. All right. Before today's episode, guys, a uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Whisker Seeker Tackle. Uh, they're going to be doing a promo code for us here at Beerfish Fanatics. All right. So Whisker Seekers Black Friday slash Cyber Monday sale is coming up and they've prepared a promo code for our listeners. You'll be able to save $10 off of a $100 purchase on top of the sales that they're going to have going on. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com. Use the promo code TALLBOY, T-A-L-L-B-O-Y, and you will get $10 off of your $100 purchase during their Black Friday sale and their Cyber Monday sale. Yeah, so you'll be saving money from their ongoing sale plus another 10 bucks if you spend over $100. So extra savings. There you guys go. So quick shout out to Whisker Seeker. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we swear those both are his. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Ma Pop Fishing. We got Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today we are actually on site again at uh, 1717 Brewing Company, downtown Des Moines. Uh, once again, you know, I, it was my fault. I failed. We were going to go to Peachtree and record. And of course, they are having a big old band concert thing. So, uh, so we're here. You know, we should just plan on coming here because it's pretty low key compared to across the street, and we've never had an issue trying to record here. Very true. But then, we just show up and it, we're ready to go. It's all cool. Yeah, good the, deal. The day we do that, they're gonna have something here, and then we're gonna have the free. <laughs> Probably. I guarantee Probably. it. But, um, but today, anyway, uh, welcome back, Mr. Jeff Kapaska from the Iowa Dinar. Thank you. Joining Good to be you. here. Thank you, sir. Good to see yeah. you guys again. Welcome, welcome. Been a while, and, you know, we figured we haven't had the Iowa DNR just to kind of see what you guys have been up to, a little bit of everything that's going on with um, the world of fishing and fish and fisheries and everything, so we All right. figured to have you on, brother. It's awesome. we got lots of stuff going on. Yeah. I'm drinking a, uh, the Munich, uh, I'm double fisting, by the way, yes, uh, the Munich Hell's Lager. That's what I'm drinking. What do you got, Kit? I got their Irish Red, brought back from a year ago. There you go. Cheers, guys. Cool, crisp, clean water. Oh, H2O. H2O. Can't go wrong. And don't worry. I am. See, because, guys, I still have gout. So I ha- I'm slamming a beer and drinking water at the same time. I'm chasing it with water. Good work. Good work. Very healthy move on your part. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's healthy. It's just it's because I just don't want to deal with the pain. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. My brother-in-law, he, he was taking because uh, Fishing Kit's on uh, one of our chats. And my brother-in-laws, they all have gout. Okay. And they keep texting pictures of their foot and their knee and their ankles. <laughs> like, it's, it, are, am I right? It, they, they keep indulging themselves. <laughs> so every couple of months, they'll have a flare-up. Yeah. It's funny because usually that, that the chat that we have is a fishing chat. You know, we, you know, party or yeah. hang out. You, you sh- share your fishing pictures. The last couple of months has been nothing but feet and ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Swollen ones. You're, you're a little bit sick. You know that. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had gout, Jeff? I have not, and I, from what I hear, I'm I'm happy about that, and I hope this continues. Right. Same here. Knock on wood. Because we had Hank, one of one of Jeff's best friends here. Yep. Uh, he was talking to me. He's like, you can consider it, but uh, he he's had gout, and he he was telling me she, if if I can consider taking the daily pill, 
to I forgot what it was called. Um, I have somebody can correct me on it, but there's a daily pill to help with the uric acid flush, oh. and that's why he was able to eat normally, drink beers normally. He said he like never felt better after he started taking those pills. Oh wow! So yeah. I mean, I was talking to my wife, and I was just like, man, but it's just the thing that you have to take it daily. And it's just like it's a mental thing too. I think he kind of starts taking pills, men- you know, daily. I kind of the age the it gets to you. Yeah. It makes you feel a little, yep. a little older. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Thanks, well, man. Well, if, if it was that or have gout, I don't know. <laughs> it does. It, true that. True that does suck, man. Um, but now we got uh, Jeff here. I, I did want to talk. So I, I do want to apologize. So there was a last episode. I kind of crumbed on the, uh, uh, the trout stamp a little bit. This is the oh, reason being. Oh yeah, I, I saw something. I haven't. I I didn't have a chance to listen to it yet. <laughs> I, but I saw something about trout stamp versus hybrid striped bass. Yes. Stamp. So okay. you know, you can just donate to the agency if you want. That's 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 kind of how I felt like what we just did. Because okay, so this is the thing. So we had uh, Ryan, our one of our our buddies, on, and we were just kind of talking about trout stamps. It came up, and we're yep. like, because it, it it was like the very first stocking. And I went out. I was excited. I didn't catch shit. And then I'm like, golly, I'm buying these trout stamps. And then Ryan was the same with me. He didn't, he bought, you know, for his kid and him. They didn't catch it, it either. So I think we were kind of jaded that day when we recorded about the trout stamp. They were like, man, forget the damn trout stamp. This should just be a hybrid striped bass stamp. I think that's kind of where we're at. That's, yeah, you guys jumped from trout stamp to hybrid striped bass stamp. Yeah. Anyways, before we get too far, I think uh, for our new audience, uh, can you introduce yourself, Jeff? My name is Jeff Kapaska, and I work for the Iowa Department of Natural Resources in the Fisheries Bureau. I'm in research, and I am the fisheries statistician or biometrician for the state of Iowa. And I have been on your podcast a few times here in the past. Mm-hmm. I do a regular podcast on KXNO with uh, Ross Peterson, thinking... We're in the ballpark of like 75 episodes we've done. I think that we've been doing it since either 2015 or 2016. And depending on when that is, it's, yeah, doing it. I think we've only missed one month in in that time frame. So, nice. Yeah. Right. And that was, that was recent, right? That one month? Yes. Yeah. It was earlier this year, <laughs> I believe. Yes. So you guys had a pretty good run. We have had a good run. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I don't. I, I think we're going to keep it up. I don't. I don't hear anything about it stopping. So cool. the 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 morning shift kind of threw me off. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, it changed shows too. I was like, wait a minute. Yes. Like, did I just miss it or <laughs> what happened? It, it was because I know I know Ross. Uh, so he started morning, then he went to the afternoon, and he went back to the morning now yep. again. Yeah. Yep. So, it, I, like you said, it kind of threw me off too. I'm like, what the heck was Ross doing in the mornings again? Yep. And now they. Since Ross is in the morning now, they're posting our monthly fishing report podcast in that morning stream instead of the uh, the sports fanatics stream. So that's where gotcha. our podcasts are, are found also. Right. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, I'd say cheers, <laughs> but you... Uh, well, you cheers water. You cheers yeah, water. you cheers water. Uh, you cheers, cheers water. water, yes. But... 
as I was mentioning, I was just in a jaded mood. I didn't catch Trout that day. I was like, I was super excited. I knew that you guys were, because uh, uh, I knew you guys were stocking the fish. I was like, yeah, I'm going to catch this trout. I'm going to bring it. I told my wife, too. So wh- wh- where, where did you go? I went to, can we, can we name it? Yeah, I mean, okay. it's not a big deal. Patoka. We went to. I, I went okay. to. I went to Patoka. Yeah. I literally went about three hours after. Okay. Uh, they were stopped. Yep. So I was like, I told my wife, I go, honey, I'm gonna leave work a little bit early today from home. I, you got the kids real quick, you know. I'm gonna bring trout home to eat. I'll be gone for thirty <laughs> minutes. Yep. I'll be right back. Most. That, that's, that's exactly. What I was like, okay, maybe forty-five minutes, right? I was like, don't worry about it, but we got it. We we're gonna eat trout tonight went there like man i was struggling i was like and then there was one guy next to me i was talking to him from the, the last podcast it was just boiling in front of him but i didn't want to be that guy and just cast in his spot but he was like every cast i was like that should be me i was just <laughs> i mean i'm like i just couldn't get it and then i think and then we had the podcast the next day, and I was just a little jam. Like, golly, this trout stamp sucks. I couldn't catch anything. <laughs> so the reason I asked is that I know. So that uh, that would have been what a week ago Thursday. I think you so. went, and then we had a stocking on Friday also, and we stocked at Ada Hayden and Ames that okay. day, and I was at that one. Also stocked Triumph Park. It's, it's the one in Waukee okay. by Waukee Northwest. Yes, it is Triumph. Yep. So. The fish were supposed to be stocked at around noon that day, and yes. there were people fishing and trying to catch the fish and everything. Well, the stocking truck didn't show up until about 1.30, so there were a lot of people not catching trout okay. because there weren't any there yet. <laughs> well, I think I was... <laughs> but okay. but from the way it sounds, there were trout, you just weren't catching them. I think so. <laughs> okay. I, I'm pretty sure there was because it was boiling in front of the guy that was next to me, and then... I didn't want, I, I'm not going to lie. I inched closer and yep. closer. Every every fish he was catching, which was almost every other cast, yep. I, I kept inching closer, but I just couldn't get in front of him. I mean, I didn't, you know, didn't want to be that guy either. So what, what were you using? Just, I, I kind of looked at what he was using. <laughs> so he was, like, I think he was using one of those, like, really super light spinner. Yep. Spinner. Like like a, uh, what do you call those? Like a rooster, rooster tail. tail. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's what he was using, and he was just kind of flicking it, flicking it every time really quick, super light. And he was just, it was just hitting it. It was because it was top water. It was, I mean, they literally were just boiling. And then, of course, I, it was frustrating. I was like, man, watching him do it. And, and I was like, I kind of waited till every time he caught one. So then I can kind of cast a little closer. I was trying to do that. It still didn't work for some reason. It was just right, right in front of like 15 feet right in front of him. Yep. So it was you. I think it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was frustrated. Like I said, I took it out on the trout stand. That's why we had that. We, we recorded. I was like, damn, just just get a hybrid stripe bass stamp. <laughs> okay. Anyway, speaking of the trout stamp, uh, I know on the D- IODNR's most recent podcast, you guys kind of went into the history behind the trout stockings and stuff. Uh, yep. Yep, but I don't we did a pretty, we did a pretty deep yeah, dive on trout. It was pretty in depth. It was yes. good. I liked it. Thanks. So has the uh, the trout stamp always been a thing? I don't I don't I can't recall if you guys mentioned that. Uh, we did not mention that the trout stamp. Uh, I rem- remember. I, I'm going to say it was either late '70s or sometimes in the, sometime in the '80s when we uh, started the trout stamp program. Okay. So uh, that was. It hasn't been certainly since the 1880s. No, right. it was in the either the 1970s or 1980s. Um, Maynard Reese, who was an Iowa artist, um, did all of the Iowa fish mm-hmm. paintings. Oh. 
he was the one that did the first Iowa trout stamp. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, and I think that was, I, I think it was in the 80s, but I, I'd have to double check it. I don't have that one in the memory bank. So. Right. Yep. Would you happen to know why, why, why the DNR thought it was necessary to, like, put something like that in place? I think it was an ad- additional funding mechanism to try and support our our trout program because that, you know, that's a dedicated thing. And at that time, we had very little um, natural reproduction. Pretty much all the trout uh, that were being caught anywhere were were stocked. Right. And, and you know, we've. We've, as we mentioned on that podcast, we've really improved what we do. We've done a lot of work in the watersheds to improve the habitat for those fish. So now we have a lot more of those um, streams where we have natural, naturally sustaining, self-sustaining, uh, either brook trout or brown trout populations. But we still raise a whole lot of fish. We we raise right. the little brook trout for for stocking in in streams like we were talking about, and then. All of the catchable rainbow trout—that's all, you know, funded by the trout stamp. Mm. So. Okay. Yep. I didn't realize how far back the trout stockings went. Oh, a long time. Yeah. yeah. 1880s. Is, is that kind of the uh, the oldest species that the Iowa DNR started stocking, or was there other fish that that the DNR was stocking before? I'd have to look back, but it, it's right there with anything else that we've done. That's yeah. a, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say the DNR didn't start stocking common carp, but common <laughs> carp got here at roughly the same time and okay. were stocked, right. you know, because they, they're not from here. Um, and and like Mike said on that podcast, uh, the brown trout aren't from here either, and they right. were stocked. Yeah, that's some of that first stocking that was done also. Yeah, they're from Scotland, right? From, I think if, or so, Scandinavia or something you know, like that. And, and Germany, all you know, all in that region uh, is native brown trout. So, oh. yeah. <clears throat> Euro- or Asia, or Europe, <laughs> Eurasia, because I think it does extend west over kind of right. into uh, Russia, etc. But, you know, up in um, the is it Baltic Peninsula, whatever? Nah, where I couldn't. Norway tell you. and Sweden and Finland. Okay, up, up there. Yeah. So. Yeah, because we recorded our podcast, and him and him and Ryan were kind of talking about the trout stocking stuff, and that was that was when uh, the IODNR's podcast <laughs> came out. So we recorded our podcast, and uh, I think we recorded on. What was it Thursday? Yes, yeah, Thursday when they like the stock. I think it was like either that Thursday when they did the stocking or right, right when I fish and suck. Yep. yep, pretty much. And then that podcast came out on Monday, I yes. believe. Okay. And then when I was listening to it, I was like, I wish we would have heard this podcast <laughs> before we went into ours. It would have oh, helped because yeah. uh, uh, for some people, the trout stockings are kind of polarizing. Yeah, uh, you know, they some people feel that. Uh, those resources could be better utilized elsewhere but i was saying well that revenue wouldn't otherwise be generated it's all going to the trout stuff anyway absolutely absolutely and and like i was you know we were talking i was like for the kids it's easier to handle rainbow trout than a four pound wiper two pound wiper without (laughs) getting your hands cut or you know what i'm saying without the fish freaking out because kids, they can hold a, you know, a rainbow trout really easily. Yeah, there's nothing to poke them really. No, and that, and I think that's the biggest 
draw in regards for the kids having the, the trout statement catching trout. It's a lot easier to introduce them into fishing without getting scared. No question. No question. It's an, it's an easy species. Um, we, we have this urban trout program. We target areas that are available in urban locations, community locations. Um, you know, there's a lot of population. Generally at a place where there's a park, there's playground, there's other equipment, there's lots of those different kinds of amenities. And, and we're doing that. We also generally stock twice a year, but you know, pre-COVID and, and back to it now, we always try to have an event associated with one of the two times that we stock those fish. So we're generating excitement, getting people out there. And those kids don't have to have a trout stamp either. Hmm. You know, they, they, the, if you take your kids, they don't need one. You should, you need to have one. So that, I think we were asking that yeah, question. Yeah, that was one we, of our uh, things where we were wondering. So what if a kid wanted to go out fishing, but he didn't have a parent with him? Let's say he was 15, 14, 15. They can get their own. They can okay. get their own trout stamp. Trout stamp but, because the loss, they don't have to have a trout stamp to possess the trout. Okay. But what the law states is if you are specifically targeting trout, you have to have a trout stamp. Okay. And as a kid, they don't have to have a fishing license. Yeah. And if they're with an adult, they can, you know, be under that adult's license. But if they're going out by themselves mm-hmm. and specifically targeting trout, they do need to have that trout stamp. Okay. So, okay. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. So, say I'm 15 years old and I'm fishing. I don't have, I don't need a license to fish, right? I'm not a conservation officer. <laughs> and I can, okay, I know. But, 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 but I, I, I'm targeting largemouth and then I catch a trout. Can he keep it? No. Okay. He can, he can incidentally catch that trout. If, you, okay. if you're throwing a big spinnerbait and it looks like you're, you know, there's a difference between what lure you're using. Very true. Okay. Very true. Very if true. you're using the MEPS size zero, it's really hard to convince someone that you are targeting largemouth bass. Okay. Right? Very true. I mean, this is the logic that comes into play. Gotcha. So, yeah. If they incidentally catch one and they're legitimately fishing for something else, they just release it. Okay. You can't keep it. Just release it. Gotcha. Just wondering. No, that's what it, um what do you guys what do they feed the trout before they release? Little pellets? <clears throat> I mean that's what they grow on is just, just just trout feed. Okay. I mean like if you were out at uh Adventureland and you're on the little bridge and you're going to drop some fish feed to the bullheads. Uh-huh. That's what they feed on. It's, sim- it's similar. It's it's formulated differently for trout than than for, you know, catfish or bullheads or whatever, but it is a a pellet like that. Now we as those fish grow and as it gets time for the ones to be stocked, um, they prob they wean them off of feed a little bit okay. that last few days before they're stocked so that they are hungry when they arrive. So I'm curious if I were to use like those pellets as like bait, a crappie nibble? Yes. Would uh, that have helped possibly? It's possible. Oh. In in reality, most of the time they're just gonna chase something flashy. Okay. So what would you use, Jeff, if you were gonna target these traps? Yeah. Uh, so I 
I didn't fish at Ada Hayden, but I have been trout fishing a couple times here recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was throwing the little MEPS, uh, I think it's the Aglia, whatever, but it's the size zero, and it's the single hook one that has that kind of has the, the the hair and stuff tied onto it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, other folks, um, gold is generally the color that works the best on them. Uh, other folks do rooster tails or panther martins. But it's that same inline spinner kind of deal. Yeah. Something that gives a little bi- vibration, has the flash. I don't know. I was, uh, when I was fishing Coldwater Creek a couple weeks ago, because I, I had to go up and, and assist with some of our brook trout stocking mm-hmm. efforts. And so I drove up that afternoon, and then the evening before we went to work the next morning, I, I fished Coldwater. And that's, that's a stocked system. And it was interesting throw that lure out there and as you're pulling it back you can see that rainbow trout swimming alongside and then it decides whether it's going to go over and hit it or not (laughs) it's just kind of yeah so i think it's that flash that vibration and then and i don't know i'm not a trout expert i'm not really a trout angler okay but i'm (laughs) i'm trying it out i got my trout stamp but but um but i i found that that behavioral pattern quite interesting that that's how they and it's it's not like you know a bass or or whatever that boom just goes and hammers it no they they swim alongside looking at it for a little bit before they make that decision and i don't know if the other trout species do that or not but just while i was observing i could i could see them and how they acted in that stream and, and that's what they did interesting yeah have you ever done the the trout streams up in northeast Iowa? Um, I did it, uh, maybe about five, six years ago. Yeah. I, I took the kids. Yeah, I think it was like five years ago. I took the kids. Uh, we went camping up there. It's beautiful. It, this is the thing. It is. If, if um, anybody in the Midwest, if you guys never been to northeast Iowa, um, I highly recommend it. And the reason being, it's, a, it's just a beautiful place to camp, take kids, family. And then, like you guys are saying, like the, the trout fishing, it's really cool. It's, it's surreal. In, in, in a sense, when you're just kind of walking the trails, and then when you're fishing the streams, how many streams do they have up there now? Like eighty some. Jeez, yep. that's a lot. You yep. know, it's it's pretty cool. I haven't fly fish yet up there. That's I, oh. I think I might we might have to do that here, dude. Here, you can try that, but let me here tell we. you from <laughs> my personal experience. I used to go up to I used to go up to the trout streams twice a year a few yep. years ago. I did that for I don't know two or three years, maybe four years. I'll uh, let you in on a little secret. Worm on a bobber or just a worm on a plain hook on the bottom. You get th- you can throw flies till you're blue in the face and then just put a worm on a piece of hook. Uh, a piece of worm on a hook. Throw it out. You'll get bit instantly. Just a, a chunk of worm? Yeah, a little chunk of worm. Uh-huh. Whether that's under a bobber or just plain hook with a worm. So you tell me I should have just done that on... The other day at yeah. the stocking, I probably would have hit easily. Probably, Dang. at least in my experience, huh. from the uh, the trout stockings that were earlier this year in springtime. Yeah. Guess guess what the hot bait was? Nightcrawler right. under a bobber. <laughs> For me, anyways, I know there's a fly fishing purist out there. Yep. And actually, my biggest trout I've ever caught was on a woolly bugger on a fly rod. Nice. But if you just want to catch fish, worms, that that is the bait. That's the bait for almost any fish. Yeah. A lot of fish. Yep. 
Tampa didn't work too well this year for us a couple times. We struggled. <laughs> Are you talking about just trying to catch wipers? Wiper, just any fish. Dude, we were trying to catch freaking just trash fish with freaking worm that we st- we oh, struck out. For a little competition. Yeah. Well, yep. not even that. And then a couple times we went out on the boat, too. We are like, worms usually. This should work. It just <laughs> didn't work. Right. But, yeah, if you want to catch a bunch of trout, All right. I say just get the old classic night crawler. Yep. How long does the trout last? Those, those stocking of those trout. So I'm, just, I, you know, I'm just wondering, like at, at like Patoka or whatever. How long do they normally last? Till the water hits seventy degrees. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. They, okay. they they like water seventy degrees and cooler. Um, and so we we put um, we try to put I forget if it's ten trout per acre or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the number is, but. Um, so we stock those fish, and we we love it that there are people that want to catch and release those fish. Mm-hmm. But the the truth of the matter is, those are fish that we put there for people to catch and keep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 why we're doing it. We're providing something new and different. We're providing it in the late fall and in the early spring when those water temperatures are amenable. And then um, they're not going to last the summer. The only place they really last the summer to any great degree is at Ada Hayden in Ames because that thing is 60 to 70 feet deep and it's cold. Okay, so they can, they can I'm not going to say they thrive, but they can get down to where the water's cool enough. And if there's still enough oxygen, then they can, you know, they can, if they see a school of shad or something like that, they can go up and get something to eat and go back down and, and, and be okay. But this past summer, um, uh, like two summers ago, there were some guys in Ames that caught literally hundreds of trout over the course of the summer. Wow. And then this past summer, they caught like one. So I think we had a, I think we had a little bit of, I don't know if it was a low water, not as much flow of that groundwater flow into the system, keeping it cooler. I, I, I don't know, but I know that, that we may have lost some of those trout that had been lasting over the summers in Ada Hayden this year. But that's not our intention to find a place where they're going to last year after year. You know, right. That's, that's that's the trout stream program. That's not what we do with this urban fishery. Catch it, keep it, eat it. Pretty much. Yep. That's fine. Simple. And it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's okay. I think we've talked about this before. You, you can have your own ethic. The problems come when you want someone else to ascribe to your particular ethic. For sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay, enough trout. We're talking about trout. <laughs> yep. There's been a lot of trout talk. But, yeah. so I saw Jeff, I think it was a couple, maybe a couple months ago, man. I don't know where you went. I kind of wanted to text you and, and ask you where you went. <laughs> I saw these pictures. I, I saw him post a little bit. I'm like, all right. Where did you? Oh, you don't have to tell us where, but that's the what, rule that we don't say where, yeah, right? Yeah. That's your rule. That's that is Unless our rule. there's that trout there, your rule. <laughs> but what did you do to catch all those damn crappie? Oh, like in those gills where they were amazing. Like, where did? How did you do that? And and, and, and what did you do? What was so successful? I got on my phone. <laughs> and I went to the DNR Recreation Atlas. There you go. And I looked at where there were lakes with brush piles. 
Okay. And I took my kayak and I did paddle, 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 paddle. And I watched my little dot move on my phone till I was at the brush pile. And then I backed up a little bit and anchored and I just started casting over top of that brush pile. Yeah. So on the Iowa DNR's website, they literally have a, uh, was it a GPX file? Yes, you can download it and put it on your on your own personal um, uh, fish finder. Yep. But I wasn't even, oh, well, I have a fish finder on my kayak. So I did <laughs> confirm that I was on top of the brush pile with that. But I followed my phone because on, on, on the DNR's website, we've got our fishing atlas. And we've got, you know, little dots for all the lakes. And then once you are there and you zoom in, you can see the depth contours of the lake. You can see any structures that we have. And there's a little dot. And you move, as you move in your boat or on your kayak or as you walk around on the ice or whatever, it shows where you are moving. And then you can end up on top of that brush pile, which is exactly what I did. Now, this is not the first time I have fished that lake or that brush pile. So okay. I had <laughs> I had some confidence of success because okay. I know that that is a, a, a lake that produces well. Nice. Okay. Okay. Um, and you can find out all of that information, too, on our DNR website where we have all of our fish survey information. And you can see what lakes have good bluegill populations and what lakes have good big crappie populations and i'm still not telling you which one it was oh man so you you don't even need to download the uh (laughs) gpx file you just pull up the atlas yeah on your phone absolutely and it it should just take you there though right you i mean you you have to kind of walk and look and figure it out or whatever but yeah i was on my kayak and that's the that now that's one of the top five fishing days I've had in my life. Okay. That was that was a really, really, really good day. All those crappies were 11 to 13 inches. And Jeez, those are perfect thick. eaters. Man. Uh, well, my daughter wanted a fish fry for her birthday. So her birthday was October 7. I think I was probably out there on, what, the 3rd maybe, something like that. I think it was early October. Yeah, and, uh, and did really well. Caught. I don't know about you guys, but you you kayak fish. I have a fish basket, and I was kind of counting them as I was putting in, but sometimes (laughs) you lose track a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. Fortunately, (laughs) I stopped at what I thought was 23 (laughs) crappies and 20 bluegills, and it turned out that it was 24 crappies and 19 bluegills. Oh, wow. So I was still legal. So... On that note, go check out uh, Saki Fishing. They have a counter. Cause I, I was at his house the other day. Cause oh yeah, go check. Oh, you put it on your rod? No, no, he has a. Uh, um, it's like a. It's kind of a string and has like counter. Like you oh, count okay. how many fish you catch, and it's a simple. It's a. It's simple mechanism. Mm-hmm. Just if you catch a fish, you just pull it, pull it, and it fills in. And then you'll know how many fish you caught. You know, when the fishing is really good, sometimes you just want to cast. That's again. true. I know, right? <laughs> right? No, I'm with you on that. I, I'll um, tell you a story about many, many, many years ago. Like, even before I worked for the DNR a long time ago, back in the 90s. Some buddies of mine and I would go down to Missouri and fish some five private farm ponds. We'd always do this in, like, April, May, maybe, some early in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's just starting to warm up and get really good. And this one buddy of mine 
and I, we we go to this little bitty farm pond. You drive the truck and you go to the field and hike out and whatever. And took a case of beer with us, <laughs> like you do. Like you do sometimes. <laughs> we had to walk the case of beer back to the truck with us because the fishing was so good. We didn't wow. even that quick. Oh my goodness! Dang. Just bam, 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 bam. And it's like, yeah. I think we did have a beer before we walked back, <laughs> but I mean, we walked in with a full case of beer and we walked out with like 22. Jeez. Then it was just like, because you were catching a fish every cast. Just, it was crazy. I would have stayed. Just catch and release. You can do that, right? We had a fish fry that night. Oh, okay. So. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, got fish to clean. Sorry. Yeah, had fish to clean. I don't get to catch fish like that that often, so I might as well take advantage whenever I can catch. Well, if you got to go home and cook it, you got to leave at some point. That's right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Very true, man. Oh. I think I need a refill. I think we do a new refill. Let's do a uh, little timeout so Fishing Kid can do a refill. Uh, we'll come back. I do want to ask. Um, I do have some other questions I want to ask you. I'm just kind of curious. That's cool. And th- there's a couple things you asked about what the DNR is up to. So there's a, yes. a few things that I want to tell you about that we're up to too go cool. right, sounds cool. good let's go right. get a refill and then uh, we'll come back yep uh we're back by the way guys if you guys haven't noticed but i i, I want to get this out of the way real quick because i'm people are probably sick and tired of this so the cheating scandal with the walleyes yes i don't want to talk about that one but i do want to talk about if that were to happen here in iowa or, or actually anywhere can the, the dnr do anything to those fellas and when i asked that uh, whether because you know a lot of people are like oh they should take their fishing license stuff away they should never be able to fish again is there anything legality wise that the let's just say the iowa dnr can do to those gentlemen i don't know what they're going through still yet but i'm just wondering so was it one of you guys somebody emailed me after we talked about it on on the KXNO podcast and said that those are none of those are catch and release tournaments they're all harvest tournaments Mm -hmm. yes I believe so so it might have been one of you guys that emailed I don't remember so so in that regard there's nothing that they're doing physically to that fish which would be illegal by fish and game law okay because they're stuffing something inside of it, mm-hmm. but they have harvested that fish. So they're not doing anything more illegal than what you would be doing by filleting that fish. Gotcha. Taking it into your possession. Okay. Okay. So for that particular situation, there there really isn't a there isn't a fish and game violation here in the state of Iowa that we would cite them for for adding weight to the fish now and and on our tournament side of things what we what the the dnr does is we approve the tournaments Mm -hmm. we look at what the tournament sponsor wants to do and we say does this comply with what we will allow so is it a catch and release tournament like for walleye so in june july and august during the heat of the year all walleye tournaments are catch and release because we we don't have because we don't want those fish in the live well and since they have the ability to cull then you know you can't be moving those fish in and out so so we approve what their intended suite of actions is going to be 
Okay. Now, if they break with that, then, or if they have an unapproved tournament, then we could do something about it. But this, this thing that that was happening during the course of that tournament is not something that the DNR would cite them with a fish and game violation. Okay. Mm. So, like you, like was has been said a lot, it's fraud, which is a which is not a fish and game violation. It is a you know, it is, it is a different type of violation. So, and there is a uh, uh, wildlife violator compact kind of thing amongst the states. So if you do something bad in one state, that transfers to the next state and you, like, can't get... It, it, if you can't get a fishing license in a certain state, then mm-hmm. all the states that agree to this compact, you can't get a hunt... It, and it happens more often with hunting violations than gotcha. fishing violations. But. Okay. But there is this agreement among states. But, again, what they were doing did not, from what I understand, does not constitute a fish and game violation. So that really wouldn't, there's not grounds for taking away their fishing license or their ability to get a fishing license. Because what they were doing was criminal fraud, not fish and wildlife violation. For sure. If it was a catch and release tournament, would they, would then the DNR or would be able to do something because it's certainly yes but but again in a catch and release tournament it's length based generally not weight based so you wouldn't be shoving those weights in and and you know that would be the problem is shoving those weights into an animal that you released that makes sense that that would be a problem what if they were cutting the tails off of other fish and sewing it onto their uh, tournament fish just to add the extra length. <laughs> well, you kind of... So when you do a catch photo release tournament, generally um, you've got the, the board and then you've got the fish on the board. You have to be able to see the fish's head up against the end and the tail over the line. So you're generally only holding it with one with a hand. Mm-hmm. So you'd like have to like slice it down the middle. <laughs> right, yeah, you put your hand over the stitching. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, this fish is abnormally long. <laughs> I, I just had to ask. I know yeah, everybody's, everybody's so sick and tired. And, yeah. and I'm just wondering because there were some people who were like, they should just take their license away. I go, I just don't think you can. Right, right. You know what Since I mean? it's not a fish and wildlife violation. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. For sure. That makes sense. But it still sucks, whatever they did. I don't it, know. Yeah. That, I'm not going to say that's the reason that I don't fish in fishing tournaments because I, that's just not my I don't get enjoyment out of that I like I like if you and I are out fishing and we eh, beer at the bar after yeah. we're done kind of thing that's that's I, I just I, my where I want to compete is still playing softball or golf or whatever it's, I, it's just never when I'm out fishing it's between me and the fish you know, that's my competition. I agree with that. That's, uh, that, that's, that's just me. Again, it's one of those eth- ethic things. I don't, it's, it, it's not my bag to, you know, do tournament fishing. That doesn't mean that I don't, you know, go to tournaments because I have for my job and, and things like that. But, you know, that's, that's just not my thing. But that's cool. It's other mm. people's thing and, and let them do it. It's cool. Do mm. you guys get a lot of, like, response after that happened? 
Not too much. Okay. Um, I sent an email out to all of our bass tournament sponsors because mm-hmm. we have way more bass tournaments than um, walleye tournaments. And um, we know from measuring, I think like it's like 100,000 bass over the last 20 years, that how much a bass of X link should weigh in the state of Iowa. So I'm going to put together like a, a cheat sheet for our tournament sponsors that, okay, if you have a bass like this, it should normally weigh this. It could weigh this. If it weighs above this, there's probably an issue. Okay, oh, just, uh, I like yeah. that. Huh. So it's a cheat sheet for the tournament directors. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, could somebody be like, oh, well, it weighs this. If I put just these two little extra, <laughs> you can't. If, if pe- yeah. pe- people are going to cheat, they're going to cheat. Whatever. Very true. Right. You know. huh, speaking yeah. of those tournaments, so... Uh, does the DNR collect any data from the tournaments? We do. Uh, some of our tournaments, it, it's up to our local biologists. So yeah. we do um, have reports requested from a number of tournaments, and most of those are honored. Our tournament sponsors reply oh. and give us data, and some of our staff then do look at that to see what's being caught. Because just as an example, anglers generally are much more successful at catching um, larger fish than our sampling does mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times uh, those like let's say a big bass at big creek is going to be down on some of those stumps in deeper water and our shocking gear only goes down about six feet right, so right. we do not we effectively sample a portion of the population but some of that population except especially those bigger fish live in places that we don't really have great access to Similarly, if we are out um, doing shocking on the Des Moines River or, or a smaller river, those big flatheads generally are down underneath a big log jam, and we are not effective. You know, we may shock them, and they may get stunned, but they're so far down deep in that habitat that, that it's not going to swim up, you know, to where we can capture it and, and take measurements and stuff off of it. So... Anglers generally can catch fish that we don't see in our surveys mm. just because a lot of the times those bigger fish are in areas of the water body that are not super accessible to our sampling equipment. Hmm. So, so it doesn't surprise us when anglers catch bigger fish than what we show on our surveys. Right. Because especially those larger predator fish, those bigger walleyes, those bigger largemouth bass, those bigger um, muskies and, and flatheads and things like that. Yeah. Uh, our, our sampling equipment does a great job for the majority of the population, but there are certain, you know, individuals in the population that we just don't, we don't effectively sample. Right. So yeah. uh, speaking of the sampling, was there any sampling done this fall? Or is oh, yeah. that yet to happen, or has it happened? It's pretty much all happened by now. Okay. Uh, we've finished our fall sampling. A lot of those uh, samples are on the website already. Some of them oh. still still to be put out there. So in the fall, um, we set trap nets or fike nets and look at the panfish populations in, mm. our, in our lakes. So that's what the majority of our fall sampling is. There's also some fall sampling on our rivers and streams, especially uh, some of that trout, trout work. But um, what we are doing at this time of year is setting those nets and looking at our bluegill and crappie populations. And so uh, we should have some uh, really good information available for people that want to go out pan fishing this winter. All right, so if I had to pick one spot to go 
fish for some panfish. Tomorrow, where would that be? Tomorrow on the uh, 11th of November. When it's 35 degrees degrees. outside. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if you want to be. Okay, so. um, You you don't have to. Little River. Oh, Little River. I was going to say, you don't have to be specific to the lake. You you do a region. We can bleep it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, But but no, so the reason (laughs) I say that is it's a little bit larger body of water, so it's not going to as cooled off as fast as some of the smaller bodies of water. Mm. It's as far south in Iowa as you can get, so it's still warmer than than anywhere else, Mm. and it's a straight shot down from Des Moines. So if, if I'm making a decision for tomorrow, that's the decision I'm making because that water body is going to be warmer. The fish aren't going to necessarily have been as turned off by the change in the weather as you know like a a smaller system say say beaver lake just west of des moines that it is a little bit deeper but that's further north it's smaller the cold is going to impact that system faster than it's going to impact a a deeper system further south because uh i was looking at the weather it's 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 winter guys yeah, winter's it's winter. We're really not gonna fish until we ice fish. I, yeah, I was gonna say it's looking yeah. good for ice fishing this it's, year. It is. Uh, I hear a lot of people up north and up northern Iowa. They're beyond excited uh, um, to, to slowly thinking they're gonna walk on water probably within the next two weeks. Uh, that, fact, that'd be really early, but yeah. but it's happened. Vexilar put out a post today. One of their guys was ice fishing today. Nice catching trout. Actually, really? Yeah. I don't know where he was. I'm guessing it's probably some be. of those lake trout in northern Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. I would think northern so. Minnesota, southern Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited for ice fishing at all this year? I love yeah. ice fishing. Okay. So Hank talked to Hank today. He's like, Are you gonna convince those guys to come up and we'll go fishing together? Uh, we it. need so, to. We need to. Yeah. We need well, to. Well, I mean, do we need to go up to Minnesota or can we just go up? You do you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to Minnesota. Uh, he's he spends uh, most of his time up there in the wintertime, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a house on yeah. a lake. I mean, it's a you know like I would do if I had a house yard. on a lake. <laughs> <laughs> so we might just have we might just have to do it this winter. Well, maybe maybe next month, right? Yeah, I don't That's think when I'm going. Yeah, I I'm going in December. I don't take many trips uh, during the winter time. Yeah, so I have one trip planned already. That's to go fish for whitefish in Sturgeon Bay oh, in like a hundred feet of water. Yep. Must be nice. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, we sh- we should squeeze in an, a trip with with Hank to Minnesota. I awesome. I would. Um, yeah, it would be kind of it'd be pretty fun to get up there. It would be. We can catch some fish that. Well, where he lives, is there a species that we can catch that we don't have here? Tulabi. What is that? Tulabi. Ooh, and bur- burbit, too, bur- right? Yeah. Burbit. So, That's the fish I want to catch, burbit. The, so those are some a couple fish that we can, you know, of fish to catch through the ice to yep. do this. Yep. Maybe. All right. I'll talk to the boss lady. Yep. We can make it happen. Maybe we just try to hitchhike with Jeff or something. Yeah. <laughs> I've, it's kind of on my calendar. I am excited. No, I, this is, um, I think... Uh, We've talked about probably like about five podcasts now. So we've, we've talked about in a row, I think. Like, we're pretty excited this year. I think last year really got us off to a good start. Like, I think the year, I think that the year before last year, 
there's times where I don't know what the, it was. The weather was just horrible. We fished yeah. and we didn't catch shit. And then it was just like, God, ice fishing sucks. But I think last year rejuvenated me, at least me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going into last year, I was like, eh, whatever, ice fishing. I'll be glad when it's here. Yeah. But once it was here, uh, I last last season was one of my best seasons nice. ever. That's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. mine too. I mean, there was because there was a lot of goals I set last year and I hit them. So I was like, yeah, awesome. I was like, yeah, I was, I, I'm pretty excited, uh, stoked again this year. It, it got me rejuvenated, like I said. That's awesome. Yeah. That is great. And then to catch some possible new species? Hell yeah. Yeah, there you go. I tried to catch a new species last week. I failed. Uh-oh. What were you, trying, <laughs> what were you chasing? So I was up in Northeast Island. Go back to this trout again and again. <laughs> What's the matter with me? Anyway, so I went up to help with the brook trout stocking, uh-huh. and I've never caught a brook trout. Mm, really? So I was like, and like it's a mile hike back into this place where we were shocking them. But they've taken those trout, those native brook trout, and they've stocked them in a few other small streams to just to have the population in more than one place in case something catastrophic happens. So I went to another one of these small streams where they have stocked brook trout in the past, so I know that they're there, and it's easy to get to. And so I'm, like, fishing this little stream, and it's getting dark. It's getting kind of late. And it's been a drought, so there's not a lot of water in the stream, and so you can spook them pretty easy, etc. Fishing, 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 trying, trying, trying. Finally, I hook up. I'm like, yes, I finally got it. It was a little bitty brown trout. No. <laughs> and that was the only one I got in that stream. But what were you trying. using? What were you using? I was using that little maps Agley oh. I was saying earlier. Same right. same kind of deal. Just using the spinner. Yep. I'm telling you, next time, just Worm. bring worms. Uh, just bring know. worms. I know. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put that to the test. I think, yeah. But you're right, though. Worms can't go. You can't go wrong with that. So you guys asked about some of the stuff that we're doing. And yes. so I want to tell mm-hmm. you about a particular project that we've got going on. Um, so one of the things that happened, I believe, this week, there's a, uh, a natural lake uh, a little bit north of Ames, up uh, actually north, uh, a couple counties um, by, what's the name of the town? I forget the name <laughs> of the town. Of north of Ames? Yeah. Clarion. So by Clarion. Clarion. Uh, lake Cornelia. Shallow natural lake. Yes. Uh, has had some really significant yellow bass issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Like, like the seven inches? Yeah. 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 Yes. Seven million seven inch. Seven million. No, actually, seven. seven million four inch yellow. Yes. I was oh, going to yeah. say seven inch. I hey, think it's like inch. the top end. Very yeah. true. You're yeah. right on that. So um, we've done, been doing a research study on that on that system for a little while. And you're just getting the data to justify a management act- activity that we may undertake. Well, this week we undertook that management activity, which was to um, apply a piscicide, a fish fish killing chemical, okay. and to eradicate that yellow bass population, or at least knock it down. So it was a low dose. So we're not trying to kill every fish in the lake, but we are trying to, to knock off the yellow bass. Now, the chemical that we use is rotenone, and uh, if you get into a county where a walleye lives and you have rotenone, they will die. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so we know that we were going to eliminate all the walleyes that were in that system, but we our goal was to get rid of that yellow bass population to allow a more natural 
um, fish community that should be inhabiting a shallow natural lake okay. come back. So, um, so we undertook that activity earlier this week, and then um, we'll be coming back and doing walleye stocking in the spring and, and, and doing some replacement in that system. Now, that shouldn't have knocked off all of the bluegills or all the crappies, so what we want is that, that niche space, we call it in ecology, that space in the ecosystem that is being taken up by the yellow bass and they have crowded out the other panfish species, we want those other panfish species to come back because they're the natural ones in that system mm. and replace the yellow bass. So that's why we undertake that activity. So that's just one of those things that, that we're doing. And we do it at this time of year. It's getting cold, so you're not going to have a lot of warm water. You're not having those fish float up, all float to one side, be stinky for whatever. By the time, you know, hopefully we do that this week, it's really cold, maybe we get skim ice next week, and um, by the time spring rolls around, most of that decomposition will have happened under the ice, and we, we try not to have a negative impact on the, on the local community and the local homeowners. Um, but yeah, that's just one of those things that, that we look at that system, that system is not performing, that those yellow bass are not native to that water body. They've kind of overtaken the system, drawn, you know, pulled everything down with them, with their stunting and overpopulation, and then, you know, try and, and reset that system and help it get back to what it wants to be um, in, in a more natural situation. So, yeah, that's just one of those one of those management things that we do that not everybody hears about, not everybody thinks about, but it's you know a significant investment that we're making in that lake in that community. It, okay. it makes sense because me and you know we fish that. Yeah, we fish. I fish it quite a bit, and and, yep. I, and I'm taking my daughters out there, and they're like, you know, it, it was fine. I have too. I I tried and to ice fish with them, and it was just like <laughs> eh, we're just not getting anything done. If here. you want to catch fish, I mean, if you want to catch like you guys are saying, <laughs> yeah. four inch fish, you can right all day long. Yeah. it's just um, so that's cool, you know, and that's a really good thing that you guys are. Re- so, my only, I, I I guess, if you wanted to fish that lake. What would you recommend now? Because well, you guys are doing a reset. Yeah, so so it's kind of like Easter Lake here in town. You yep. know, we drain that down, we killed that off. It takes a little while for it to come back. Okay. So I wouldn't go fish that system this winter or even probably next winter or whatever. Give it a couple of years to come back. Now, the, the fish population in Easter Lake doing really exceptionally well. See, that's what I've been hearing, but yeah. I wasn't sure. No, I, no. Yeah, the bluegills are su- yeah, the bluegills kind of surprised me. Yeah. Because I went fishing there for bait, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we might have and to we caught that some pretty much. decent bluegills. See, that's oh, yeah. what I've been hearing. But oh, I should have I, I saved this uh, video or the picture coming into this. But I didn't realize we were going to talk about it. But a guy caught a fish, and to me, it looked like, I want to say it was an Oscar or a tilapia. One what? of those two. It was not a, yeah, it was not a native fish. <laughs> right. People, yeah. Some people were saying, oh, it's a, it's a hybrid bluegill. Like, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> I haven't seen the picture, but. We're in a we're in a, a larger community. Yeah. Somebody had a pet that not they don't want yeah. a pet anymore, and they, oh, I, you know, I don't want to kill her. I didn't say that, but you did. <laughs> I said it, and and so they do something worse, which is release it into the wild where it really doesn't belong. See, but I think yeah. that's the there thing. is a lot of houses in that area. Yeah, but I think that's the thing though. Like you're saying, that's worse than. 
it they is. realize. It is. Because people and it's illegal. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's the biggest. Yeah, that's the biggest. That's the, that is truly the biggest thing. Like people don't realize. Like I don't want to kill this fish, but I'm just like whether it's like a goldfish or like you just said, Oscar or piranha. I can see it happening. Oh, I don't want to just kill it, so I'm just gonna go release it at the next closest body of water. So, do you think that fish would survive our winter since it's uh, typically a a tropical fish? It it shouldn't. But it shouldn't. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it can find some deep enough pocket in the lake. Yeah. And it's eating, obviously. You know what yeah, I mean? People were like, oh, it's a, some kind of bluegill hybrid. Like, no, 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 no. That does not look like any bluegill hybrid that I've ever no. seen. No. So, yeah, I think we're we're working on a quabby right now. Okay. Um, drawing that down and That's right. doing a restoration project there. So yeah. there's lots of stuff going on. Yeah, so how's that going? Because yeah. I used to fish a quabby quite a bit, yeah, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there's, um, it's going okay. Um, we've got a lot of work to do there. We had to draw it down. Um, found out that probably at some point in time over the last 20 years or whatever, one of the, there's something that has happened a little bit with the outlet, not the outlet structure, but there's a gate. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit bent or something like that. So you can, you know, we can, can kind of like pull the plug on the bottom of the lake a little bit. Mm. But I think some ice maybe heaved against that thing or something. Uh, I don't know all the details. I just know that, that we're going to incur a little bit more expense to fix that. Okay. But we've got it drained down. Uh, we're going to do some habitat work in that system. And then when it comes back, we'll... We'll, you know, have a, a reset fishery and, and vastly improve habitat. Just like we just did, um, we just have Hickory Grove back up on the line now. It's been refilled for a couple of years. Already eight-inch bluegill in that system yeah. after wow. just two years. Right, that's near Ames, right? Yep, 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 yep. That's one of my favorite places to fish before we drained it. But, you know, it, it needed it. It, uh, it had had a bunch of siltation. We had to move a bunch of dirt around. Uh, put a bunch of new habitat in there. So, yeah, really, really good work. That's what our lake restoration program does, and it really is a benefit to to all of our anglers and, and water recreationalists. Okay. Okay, I'm going to jump back to Aquavi real quick. Okay. I've, I've heard people told me they have seen uh, goldfish in Aquavi. There's, it's the same thing you just Anywhere were talking else. about. What's the... What's the little lake you get on the south side of the Raccoon River, like over off of Southeast 9th or 14th or something? There's a little park over there. Uh, we, Raccoon River Raccoon, Park? No, on the on the south side. Purple south. Martin. No, you're way over in Fort West Des Moines. Fort Des Moines Park. You're, you got to come back this way um, <laughs> by mullets or the Angry Goldfish. Where's the Angry Goldfish? It's right across oh, the... Oh, it's like a little yes. little city pond. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's got that's had goldfish in it I don't know how many times. Yeah. People keep throwing it in there, man. Yeah. But th- there was definitely goldfish in a club. I, I, I've never I seen it. I, I don't know. I haven't if, seen them, but this doesn't... I mean, this stuff... It, I, I can't say that there were, mm-hmm. but it doesn't... It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, me yeah. because yeah. people are, you know, just doing silly stuff. Yeah. How does goldfish affect a, a whole system? I'm just... So it's just like a carp. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like a pretty carp, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it, it roots in the bottom. It it stirs up the sediment. It eats the vegetation that you know is better habitat for our native fish. It's just it's it's not a good thing. Gotcha. It's don't don't thing. don't be throwing your guys goldfish right. in just the please, freaking water. Yeah, please don't. Please yeah. don't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're 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 kind of 
we're kind of getting into the downer yeah. side of things. Okay, so so we were talking off camera about walleyes a little bit, and so yep. one of the other things that we're doing a lot right now. So we, you know, we do our walleye spawning operations in the spring, and then we grow the walleyes in the hatchery. So we, um, you know, the little like fry we release in April or May. The the two inch fish we we put out in May or June. Uh, now we're at the point that we're releasing those advanced fingerling fish uh, that are eight or ten inches. So we've put you know thousands of those in most often our lakes that we have uh, that we collect broodstock from. Mm. So Rathbun, Clear Lake, the Okaboges, etc. But we've also been doing this other project. So we've got our normal hatchery ponds and raceways and stuff. But we've got this uh, recirculating aquaculture system where we can raise fish. Um, and do it, we can raise more of them kind of faster in this little bit more enclosed and controlled environment. But we're not sure how well they perform out in the wild. So we're doing this other project and we actually stocked a whole bunch of fish and not like in our normal broodstock lakes. So we're putting them in places like Sejima, Little River, and, and, and other systems like that where we haven't necessarily stocked so many walleyes in the past just to see how that hatchery product will perform in the wild and to see how walleyes do in some of these systems that we haven't necessarily been stocking walleyes in the past. So um, doing okay. some more stuff with that. Yeah, a lot, I mean, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff that we're doing and most of this stuff that we're doing, with database decision-making. So right. we are... We are looking at these systems, we're collecting data, we're performing these stockings and doing assessments to see is this an appropriate utilization of the resources you know, mm. that, that we have available to us. Makes so sense. Lots, of, lots of solid work like that going on. Okay. We're wrapping it all up this time of year, getting ready, going to do a bunch of data analysis on these things over the winter and get ready to plan for next spring. Okay. Speaking of planning, I should have planned ahead and... Uh, shot you this question before you came it's on. Always I just, That's all right. I just thought of something. Okay. Uh, so I am a big fan of blue catfish. Yep. And I know in the last few years we've been, or yep. not we, but the <laughs> Iowa DNR has been uh, stocking them in a couple lakes in yep. the state. Yep. Uh, do you know what the status is with that? Like, are, is the Iowa DNR liking what they're seeing? And if they are, are they going to continue with their with their current stocking uh, efforts? It's a great question. Great question. So we started um, our stocking work on DeSoto Bend. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're historically in the Missouri River, and Missouri River DeSoto Bend is a is a is a backwater off of the Missouri River. So they had the possibility to be there. So we started with some stocking there. Mm-hmm. Um, since then we have also added them to three mile yep. mm-hmm. and what we have learned is we put them in there but they like i was saying about the great big flatheads sometimes yeah. they're just hard to catch and do an assessment right and we like put them in there and then for like the first three years like it's radio silence we don't see them hear them people don't catch them and you know what you would normally do to catch blue catfish you're looking for a fish this big and they're still only this big yeah and so as they were growing we just really didn't know if we were successful or not and 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 didn't have really any idea for about three years 
we well now we're like a year or two beyond that we're into like year four or five i don't remember exactly mm-hmm. but we're actually starting to see some of those fish and people are actually starting to catch some of those fish and they had to get up to somewhere above 15 inches 20 inches before they actually people start catching them yeah. really at all um and it and it just took a little while for them to get there so we think it's successful um it's one of those things we are uh, not a hundred percent sure how popular is this going to be and if we are going to establish them do we need to establish them separately from where we stock channel catfish you know what happens if those two those two species start to you know both be in the same system is it a positive is it negative what are we what are we going to do so when we put them in three mile it was after we had done a renovation there mm-hmm. so we didn't have channel cats in there so that gave oh. us an opportunity to to put those blue cats in there and for that to be something different okay okay so so now we've we've started to see some of the fruits of our labors there and now we have you know some of these other questions that we need to ask about what do we need to do in terms of you know the two species coexisting are we being successful are anglers being successful because why put a fish in a system that nobody's going to catch yep you know uh, like the red ears you're talking about how often do you catch a red ear not Not often often. right okay so why are we putting a species into a system that's going to take up biomass but is not available to the anglers okay Mm. you have to have you have to have a rationale for that now you can catch them in the winter to a degree, you can catch them in the spring when they're spawning. But if they're unavailable to the anglers the entire rest of the year, then you got to have a really solid reason other than, you know, making it available to the angler. And most of the time when we're stocking a recreational species is it's, you know, how is this going to impact our anglers? So, so we have to look at how are our, how are these things working with our anglers and what's going to happen, you know, from here forward and we don't have those answers yet but those are the things that we're trying to get answers to so then we can make informed decisions about what to do next okay so speaking of that i think was it you or me i think somebody was we might as well talk about hybrid striped bass (laughs) we always talk about one of our favorite we got to bring it back home so um (laughs) there there's a body water here locally i think was it i think it was you that said um you started catching some of these wipers with tags. Okay. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we we have okay. we have pit tags in the wipers at Okay. So, so Abby, it's the only place they're tagged. <laughs> okay, you can bleep it out if you want. Yeah, yeah we'll leave that off yeah, the table. We, we might have to leave that one up. But oh, well, I I never caught one, but I've heard there you've guys started a program where you're tagging and kind of I guess I would say keeping track of these fish more closely. Well, you know, it's 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 in where we have the reader array so we can see if the fish are leaving the system. So mm-hmm. we put that in there to see what's going on with the walleyes, what's going on with the muskies. Mm-hmm. Well, we have another kind of apex predator in that system that likes to move around. I like what, it. I like what's it. What's going on with our hybrid striped bass? If we've got if we've got the infrastructure in place to look at what's going on with these other two species and hybrid striped bass are in there also well how about we put some tags in these fish and see what happens okay right? so see what, if they're leaving or not yeah well, yeah what is what was the rationale behind trying to track these fish just to see if they're leaving the the right the body a, of water it, it, we the all the walleyes that we put in we stock there we want them to be there we don't want them leaving mm-hmm. all the muskies that we put in 
we stock them there. We don't want them to be leaving. We are trying to maintain a population of hybrid or of walleyes in that system. We're trying to maintain a population of muskies in that system. Same thing with hybrid striped bass. The only ones that are in there are ones that we have stocked. Mm -hmm. We put them there because that's where we want them. If mm -hmm. they're leaving, we should know something about that, especially if we have the reader array right there and we have the ability to have the fish in our hands because in the spring when we're setting those nets, sometimes they swim into the nets. Mm. So we have them available, we have the tags, everything else. So we're, we're tagging some of those fish. We've also been tagging some of the, when we raise them in the hatchery to be stocked, we've tagged some of those fish also that we have stocked in that system. So we have some of the larger fish, some of the smaller fish tagged. I don't think we can get away from the fact that we're talking about right <laughs> But it's part of a research study. There's a rationale for why we're doing what we're doing. And we're trying to figure that out so we can manage that system to the best of our ability. And it's a good local spot for us to fish. Yeah, I like it. Absolutely it is. It's a good, it's a good body of water. There's other places the locally you can catch those fish too. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Is it, yeah. is it too early to say anything from that study? Yeah, we, we really don't know. We only started um, tagging those fish this past year or so. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I guess one of my other questions I want to ask was that, is there a, a species of fish that, you, that the Iowa DNR gets requests to put limits on? <laughs> and the reason why I ask that, because you see it on social media, you, I, you hear people talking about like, oh, the greatest thing ever, the Okaboji, you know, they put 15-inch limit or whatever, or, or clear lake, they just put a 15-inch uh, slot, limit, slot, slot limit. limits. Now, like... What species of fish do you guys get bombarded about? Okay. I feel know. like it's walleyes. I'm All just going to jump them? in there. All of All them? All of them. Okay. <laughs> the, the flatheads. Flatheads. Yeah. Hybrid yeah. white when I was on, the, When I was on with Spencer, it was about flatheads. Yeah. I've been on with you guys, it's about hybrid striped bass. <laughs> when, you know, we have, we now have a 25 fish limit on bluegills because yeah. of the same kind of thing. There are things going on in other states where they're knocking that down to 10 and 5. We hear about that, you know. We hear about it with walleyes. It's you know, it, yeah. it, yes. So I'm, I'm gonna have I, to it, jump off. It's real all quick. of them. <laughs> you embody? Know, yeah. <laughs> Broke the seal. All right. You want to take you a break? continue if you want. No. So I, the reason why I, I, I truly ask that is because we see it all the time on social media. Yes. So yep. how does the Iowa DNR deal with somebody or a couple somebody's handful of people like, dude? You guys got to put a limit on the walleyes. You guys got to put right now. Hybrid striped bass is un, it's no limit. You're right. White bass is no limit. The reason I kind of I wish he was still here. We'll, right. we can ask him. And the reason being is because there's other states nearby yep. that we go to, and they, they they put a limit on the on the the white bass. Yep. Well, I'm out. They put a limit on the white bass. No. Well. I have to tell you. Uh, so if, uh, if there's a limit on the wiper, it would have to be in a system where there's no white bass whatsoever. Okay. Uh -uh. There's, well, there's a state that's close to us. I don't okay. want to name and the reason being because we had this argument. I had an argument with Kit. And the, there is a limit on wipers okay. of over a certain size. Right. And because then the white bass is no limit, though. Okay. So you're, what you're saying is... Let's start with, we do have a limit on white bass on the Mississippi River. It's 25 yes. fish. The rest of the state, we do not have that limit. The reason we don't have a limit on hybrid striped bass or white bass is, for the most part, that is an underutilized resource. 
You, we, you know, we have not seen any negative impact on the overall populations of those fish due to harvest. Okay, so in general, Iowa does not overregulate. So if we are not having a negative impact on that population by allowing our anglers to harvest those fish, then we're not going to put a regulation on. That's that's our perspective in general. Okay, so that's just that's just the way it is mm-hmm. here. Okay, so in a system like Big Creek, there are both the white bass and the hybrid striped bass. If you're going to put a limit on hybrid striped hybrid striped bass, you're only going to do that for fish above, say, 20 inches. Could we do that? We could do that. Okay. Now you have that cutoff because the maximum size of a white bass is about 18, 19 inches. For so. Sure. So, and we don't see negative impacts on those, on the white bass population, so we don't see that there's a strong rationale for needing to put a limit on those fish. Now, there are hybrid striped bass in Big Creek where they are stocked that are mixed in. So, and it's, people will tell you, you can tell the difference, but that's, not everyone can, and the misidentification is high. So, I think the, 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 the rational rationale is to leave it as is for no limit underneath. Now, could we put a limit on hybrid striped hybrid stripe bass above 20 inches? Mm-hmm. That that could be that could be done. Okay, is there um, is there a need? Some people might say there is. Some people might say there isn't. I would say there's. By the amount of people we speak with, <laughs> and even this guy right here, they would, like, I think they would crack some beers, jump for joy if you put a hybrid striped bass, 20, 20-inch limit, like you were saying. White bass, no limit, whatever the case may be. But if you catch a, a, a white bear that's 20-inch and above, one over. I mean, I'm just I, throwing stuff out there. I, I, I think that would, where's that state? The state that we fish at, what, what's the limit on that? I think it's just five hybrids over. Okay. Yeah, just five hybrids. That's the, that's the that's a limit, and then white bass unlimited, right? Yeah. Okay. But how do they de- how do they decide what's a hybrid if it's above? 20 I think it's inches? above twenty inches, right? I don't think I don't there's know. a, a oh, length see, or anything. It go. just says unlimited white bass and five hybrid striped bass. Once they get somewhere between fifteen and seventeen inches, then you can kind of tell if the two sure. patch is splitting or not or whatever. But yeah, it's it's. That is a regulation that might confuse our right. anglers, true. and Very we true. do. We strive to not. We we're in general try not to be the ones out to get you. You know, yeah. so yeah. so that is not a regulation that we would probably try to move forward. Right. That because that would go against kind of our regulatory philosophy. Yeah, because uh, I, I remember one of. When we first started talking to you, it always comes back to the rule book. Ours yeah. is like this. Ours and, is like yeah, this. Yeah, this. <laughs> we don't want to get to a point where it's like this. Right. I said that, but then the other people were like, no, we want it like that. I go, well, <laughs> you're like the rare ones that like it like that. Yeah. Because not everybody likes and, it like that. And we've talked about this stuff, too. The amount of data that you have to collect to be able to justify yeah. a regulation change is really really significant i mean we're going to have to invest a significant amount of time and resources to collect the data look at the populations and determine what's going on 
in order to be able to justify that regulation being in place. Okay. Okay, we're just not going to do it willy-nilly because that For also sure. goes against our philosophical stance on regulation. If you're going to do it, there has to be a solid reason and you have to have the data to back it up. Makes right. sense. Okay, okay, so here's my biased, <laughs> unapologetic <laughs> uh, opinion. Like, like, if it were up to me, you know, being super biased towards these fish, it'd be one over... I don't know, 20 inches, doesn't matter if it's wiper, uh, white bass, whatever. Because, like you said, general general public can't tell the difference. So, okay, just one over, doesn't matter what it is, uh, just because I want to catch big fish. That's just my biased opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's valid. Right. For you, but... Yeah, for you, that's the biggest thing. But there's a ton of data that we would have to collect to to be able to justify that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that, you know, at this point, it hasn't risen high enough that we feel the need to invest those resources to make that determination. That doesn't mean that that's wrong. It just means that we only have a limited number of resources, and that's not the priority right now. Yeah, yeah, and it, 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 it basically is me pushing my ethics on other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it. Understandable. Know, yeah, and, and we have three to 500,000 anglers that we have yep. to, yep. you yep. know. Yeah, you can't yep. just think about what right. I want. Oh, you right. can. It's just. I mean, you can, but. <laughs> so so with the new regulation of the, the walleyes and, you know, whatever they put, I think it was up at Cleared Lake mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So how long, so once you set a regulation something like that mm-hmm. how long does it take before you realize or when the, the iodine are like stat wise number wise do you see the difference made well, i i would argue that we see that right away because really? what we're doing is there is a there there's a suite of fish that are that are broodstock so we we've only done that really on our broodstock lakes okay. and what we're doing is we're protecting those fish that are most valuable for us to be collecting harvesting the eggs from and and then moving that population forward with our ability to stock from those fish. So we we generally see that pretty immediately. So you would see the difference instantly once you put that that, that regulation in, in. Right, because however many fish that were in that system that were going to be harvested, and we have a creel, so we know roughly, you know, historical averages what that would be. Um, but those fish are now not being harvested. So now they're staying in the gotcha. system versus being removed from the system. Can we just throw that in for wipers for like one year? <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm asking that because can we just do it just for one year just to see where it's at instantly? <laughs> but that's the other, you know, we don't, we don't know how many wipers there are in Big Creek. That's true. Okay? We don't. We would have to, number one, we'd have to start with how fast are they growing, how big are they getting, um, what, what are their growth rates, What's uh, what's the population? What is the, and we have a creel going on in there, so we would have some kind of idea on what what the harvest rates are for that system. But there's just a whole lot of components to that 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 we would need to consider as we would move, you know, if we were to move forward on something like that. Okay. So so with the creel surveys for the hybrid striped bass at that lake, there is some harvest that is being recorded in those creel surveys. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes because if we if we just step back and think about that, like there's a lot of white bass, there's yeah, a lot of for sure. hybrid and striped bass. People are catching those fish. Okay. Yeah. So so there's certainly my guess is yes, there's harvest of those fish in that system at this time. 
Okay, because we've we've had friends. I can. I mean, I've got that. <laughs> if I go back home to my computer, I could punch it up and look at what the Creel survey results are because we've got I've got access to that. Yeah. Like in real time, just like our our fish survey, we're doing the Creel on the same kind of tablets, etc. But um, I yeah I don't I don't know. Okay. Yeah, one of friend uh, a couple of friends of our show, they were like, yeah, we talked to this Creel guy for. You're yeah, just the Buckle Boys. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to bleep. Either me or you is going to have to bleep out this word a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they were saying, like, oh, we talked to the Creel Survey guy, and there's zero harvest, which seems kind of crazy. But I guess if that particular guy doesn't hear about fish being caught on that particular day, that's all he can go yeah, off the of. Survey, right. the, the survey person can only go by whatever somebody tells yeah, what yeah. they caught, what they see, yeah. and what they're told. Yeah. yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all we can do. So quit lying, fools. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I don't. For me, as someone who's kind of, I don't know, kind of peeks behind the scenes a little bit with doing this podcast with someone like yourself, yeah. it's like, why would you lie about what you're catching if people are doing that? I think the only reason why people would lie is because they don't want people to know about their spot or their hot spot. You know what I'm saying? But my thoughts, like you're just saying, like, like it's not, it's not going to change anything. It's actually going to help if you're actually honest. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, why yeah. would you lie to the Creole guy is my, because I my think question. They, I think honestly, because once you get asked, they're like, they get, people get nervous. They don't want to tell the yeah. truth because they're just like uh, I didn't catch anything I don't know what you're talking about okay so here for all our listeners when a Creole guy comes up to you ask what you caught show him your fish so he can take his all his uh, measurements numbers whatever he needs or her yeah. or her yeah, yeah don't. If, if you're telling us there's no harvest of white bass or hybrid striped bass then that's going to be the information that we use. Well, we don't need to regulate that. There's See, nobody right. catching it. It's yeah. true. Especially okay. if you want something done about a particular species or whatever. Right. Yeah. Man, how much time do we have? I don't know. What time is it? It is 6.37. Oh, we, we, we probably should, yeah, we probably okay, should okay, cut okay. it off. I got, I got one last, last question. One. Last one. So yeah. the same body of water, uh, I think the last, like maybe a month or two ago, people were noticing a lot of dead white bass. Yep. Uh, so there's a virus that affects white bass. Yes, there what is. is that? Like, how does that mean it's the end for white bass in this lake? Or no? So uh, that that's happened probably ten years ago, and it happened a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, the white bass were just fine. Uh, it tends to we we haven't confirmed that it is that particular virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took samples the last time ten years ago, or whatever. Tried to get it sent in. Try to confirm. They just couldn't figure it out. Um, it, we know most likely what it is. It really only affected one of the size classes. Like all of the white bass that were dead were the same size, same age, basically. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. So it's it, it. Oftentimes when this happens, it's kind of the fish are a little bit stressed, and they something else is happening to them, and it makes them susceptible to this virus that's probably already in the population. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know all of the particulars of it, but like. 
the big fish didn't die, the ones a little bit than that didn't die. It's just some kind of overcrowding, something, stress on okay. that particular age class. It'll be, I'm confident it'll be fine as we move forward. Do you think it's uh, quite to the extent that it was 10 years ago, or is I think it was, less it was actually more? less this time. Because okay. yes, I think actually... From what I heard. Actually, I think I do remember the last time it happened, I think you kind of noticed as an angler if that was the fish you were trying to catch. Because yep. I remember, like, huh, we weren't really catching that much white bass. And then these last few years, like, whoa, the white bass are kind of back. And then yep. I heard a whole bunch were dying again. I'm like, oh, no, it's like the previous time. But it doesn't seem as bad. No. Always good, man. Um, been fun, man. Yep. Always good to see oh, you guys. Yeah. Always good to have Jeff Always on. a ton of info when it Jeff's is. here. You gotta, you gotta, this is one of the things, dude. Every time I have you or any or Tyler Stubbs, um, having you guys on makes me re-listen to the podcast. Over <laughs> wow. It really does. Well, I appreciate and that. And it's Thank just, you. just to learn, like you're saying, it's just so much information. I just want to learn a little bit more. Um, Kit, you got anything else for Jeff? Okay, so if anybody in our audience wants to reach out to you with any burning questions, where can they do that? Uh, Jeff, J-E-F-F dot Kopaska, K-O-P-A-S-K-A, at dnr.iowa.gov. Okay, yeah, we'll put we'll put that down in the uh, description and stuff. Yep. For sure. Uh, huge shout out. Thank you so much, Jeff, for just uh, coming to hang out with just uh, two idiots who love to fish. <laughs> um, love to drink beer, but like, like, like. Fishing Kid always said, man, it's just so much knowledge that you bring to us. And then you give us the other side of the Iowa DNR instead of us sitting here just thinking, you know, why don't they do this or what? It, it yeah. really does. It. I, I truly appreciate having you and having the Iowa DNR just be on our podcast. It really opened up our minds and to really understand the thought process of how things are done. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's that's why I'm happy to come here and do this is yeah. because you know, we're, not, uh, we're, we're not trying to you know be be the wizard hiding behind the curtain yeah. you know it's like we we work for the public we work for the anglers and we we just want to share that information to let you know what we're up to and and try to do our best for you and truly appreciate that and then just like you said so much knowledge that we get you know we get from you guys and i love it man because it, it i think it does help me become a better fisherman that's the goal shorten the time between bites that's our goal there you guys go. So, and we promise we got to get on the ice this year with you and, and Hank. We got to do it this year. We'll, we'll make it happen. I'll figure it out some way or another. Got to right. make it happen. It'll, it'll be a good time. I don't have to convince anybody except for myself. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> must, get be her done. Nice. must be nice. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, I was able to convince the boss lady to let me out tonight. So, there awesome. we go. Baby it, it, steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. But. Other than that, everybody, don't forget, go check out Fishing Kids' YouTube channel. Get his ass up to 3,000 subs. He's getting closer and closer and closer. Creeping. Creeping. Don't forget, check out Mob Pop Fishing. Hey, I'm over 500. I think. Oh, hey. hey. Creeping. Hey, creeping. 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 And then, don't forget, guys, uh, feel free to leave a, a review, good or bad, hopefully good, on uh, the podcast. Share with everybody else. Appreciate you guys if you guys listened to this far. Uh, other than that, man, I think uh, get out there because pretty soon it's going to be ice. So yep. if you're yeah. in Central Iowa in the Midwest, ice is coming here probably in a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Who knows? Yeah, who, who knows with our weather? Right. Never know. But get out there and fish, guys. Yeah. Take you care. got you got anything else for us, Jeff? Nope. Let's let's uh, let's get out there and fish. Have some more fun. All Sounds right. Cool. Good. Awesome. Till next time, guys. All right. See ya.